0: Coming to you from Brick House in downtown Brooklyn, this is 112BK. On the show today, Brooklyn's borough president, Eric Adams, will be joining us to talk about all things Brooklyn. And then, dealing with the stigma when it comes to mental health challenges. Hi, I'm Ashley Ford. Thanks for joining us today. This is our final show for the year. It's been a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get back at it next year. Better, stronger, faster, smarter, maybe. Refreshed? Don't count on it. What a crazy fucking year. And I don't count on 2018 being any more sane. Do I even have to list the reasons? I wish I had some special wisdom to impart, but all I can say is this, all of this, is our collective chickens coming home to roost. We've got a great show. A special guest has just been confirmed beep beep, that's the beep, Borough President Eric Adams here to tell us what he sees as the borough's biggest issues, and of course to talk about yesterday's bombing in Manhattan, because as we know, the perpetrator lived in Brooklyn. And B. Town Hall, Mental Health as a Civil Right, is on Wednesday, so we're going to talk about mental health. But first, these items. A downtown Brooklyn section of the BQE might soon be closed to trucks, sending them into local streets and creating a potential traffic nightmare, according to a report by the New York Post. The paper says that transportation officials are concerned that portions of the 21 bridges between Atlantic Avenue and Sand Street, yes, there are by their count 21 bridges in that stretch, will eventually become unstable unless construction can be fast-tracked. The DOT is asking for state permission to do a design build, which means the design and construction could be bid on by the same contractor. That will make the the construction cheaper, they say, and faster. It will also likely cut down on competition. Mm, Less competition, more traffic. It would be great to get trucks off the BQE, if you ask me. Unless you're the one stuck behind them on the surrounding streets. These are the last days to see the Brooklyn Nutcracker at the Irondale Theater in Fort Greene. The show that the New York Times called simply imperfectly charming, runs through the 16th. You're thinking to yourself, I've seen it, but this is different. A fresh take, Brooklyn style, with hip hop and ballet together. At times, on the same stage. So check it out. Brooklyn just made CNN's Travel Section. For its epic and growing waterfront, with panoramic views of Manhattan and one of the world's most iconic bridges? No. For parrots. Yes, parrots, or parrot tours to be precise. The new site spotlighted Steve Baldwin, no not Stephen Baldwin, referred to as the godfather of Brooklyn's feral parrot colony, and his parrot tours, which he's been running for the past 12 years. But what of this feral parrot colony? Well, there's a community of Quaker parrots living right here in the borough. These parrots supposedly were shipped here to New York from Argentina, which saw the birds as an agricultural nuisance. They were sold in pet stores, in some instances turned into animal feed. Polly is a cracker? Sorry but some broke out of their cages and have made their homes in Brooklyn ever since. They have assimilated so well to New York culture, as well as the lack of any natural predators, that they have even been spotted eating a slice of pizza. DeFares, I presume? If you're interested in seeing these birds, you can check out Baldwin's website, brooklynparrots.com. Up next, a special guest, the borough president, Eric Adams, here in our studio to talk about what else? Brooklyn, so don't go away. This guest needs no introduction. He's about to begin his second term as Brooklyn Borough President. Brooklyn born and raised, former NYPD officer and former state senator, the Honorable Eric Adams. Welcome to 112BK for what we hope is the first of many times.
1: Okay, thank you. Okay, <laughs> tell me about the 112. Who 112BK. Yes, yes, yes. What's the number of 112? Let's Those see.
0: are the Brooklyn Zip Codes. Okay. Uh, exactly. Okay, lovely. I live in 11226.
1: Okay, I'm so in so 38. Yeah? Yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love a Brooklyn Zip Code. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to bring up is the most recent news about the Port Authority bombing. Mm-hmm. We really quickly found out that the perpetrator lived in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the Brooklyn Borough president?
1: Well, it means, you know it means a lot um, because my most uh, important concern is that when you have an individual that participate in some form of horrific action, um, there is an automatic response to demonize an entire body of people. And we mm-hmm. have a large Bangladeshi community that is extremely uh, responsive, very much Americans. They love America just as much as all of us. Uh, They get up every day, do their job, and they participate in the American experience and the American dream, and we need Mm -hmm. to keep that in mind. uh, Just as I would not get upset as one person who commits a crime and demonize a whole ethnic group we should not do that to the Bangladeshi community and then it tells us we have to be on on top of it you know right. see something say something do something is real mm-hmm. it's not just a slogan it's real if you see something suspicious call the p- police department tell a an official that is how things are done nothing is minor no one should say i don't want to call too often call too often right the more we have input Cops can't be everywhere. The military can't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, TAE officials can't be everywhere. But people can be everywhere. We need to be the partners in our public safety.
0: Absolutely. So it's a partnership, community effort. One of the things that a lot of people in the community are going to be asking, um, I'm sure, is what's being employed? What's out there right now to keep us safe? Are we going to be doing anything extra because this happened? Or are we just going to double down on what we've been doing?
1: we've done a great job uh, mm-hmm. you know the reality is that um, what happens whenever you have a major incident like uh, September 11th for example right. um, there's a level of comfort people fall back into their normal patterns and you know then you have these sleeper cells that's why they call them sleeper cells they want you to feel safe and fall asleep and right. then they go right back to the action they sit dormant right. for years and so the goal is the NYPD, the FDNY, uh, our federal agencies, they have been doing an amazing job to foil plans and plots to uh, bring about terrorism. And at the same time, the day-to-day interaction. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that uh, while we're looking at foreign terrorists, we're dealing with domestic violence at home. Absolutely. And so there's a combination um, that we have to look for. So we need to stay vigilant allow the uh, law enforcement agencies to do their jobs, conduct their investigations, but at the same time know that the most important thing is that we have a role. They're doing what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Should we tell everything that's being done, all um, processes that we're using to do surveillance, to um, conduct um, investigations? No, we shouldn't. There are things that we shouldn't know because we don't want to tip the hand to those who are committing crimes. Let, them, let the law enforcement agencies do their job. We do our job as civilians mm-hmm. and give them the information they need.
0: Absolutely. Well, shifting gears just a little bit, Mm -hmm. as a Brooklyn resident and somebody who hosts a show like this, it's like you can't even say the word Brooklyn without somebody else bringing up gentrification. It's like the two things just go together. The conversation is constantly happening. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your office is doing in terms of affordable housing right now?
1: Well, I think that you know, first dealing with the term of gentrification, sometimes you can hear something uh, long enough, and you don't even really know why you're saying it. And you know, I often tell people, what is gentrification? Mm-hmm. What are you saying when you say gentrification? Are you saying that no white person should move on your block? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that no one that's make a certain salary should move on your block? Um, what exactly are we saying? Mm-hmm. So that we can drill down on and identify what's the real problem. Because and the
0: real problem that people bring up over and over is that they're scared of displacement.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're
0: scared of loss of culture. And that's what a lot of people, I think, mean when they say gentrification.
1: Okay, well, we got to think about that for a moment. Because if if we use that uh, definition, then we need to say to the uh, Pakistani community that moved to Bay Ridge and the Irish that were there that's no longer there, um, were they displaced? Or right. the Jewish community in Winsburg, who are saying the hipsters mm-hmm. should not move in Winsburg, or the um, Chinese community that's in Sunset Park and Bensonhurst. There was a big push to stop Chinese residents from wow. opening stores in Bensonhurst. Communities don't belong to ethnicities. Right. They belong to Americans. Mm-hmm. No one should be forcefully displaced. What my energy is is going after those landlords that attempt to mm. displace people. An unethical manners. It's not my energy to say that you cannot move here. Brooklyn is the first place where 47% of the people speak a language other than English at home. Right. When I was a police officer, a sergeant at the time, I went to, um, out to, great, to um, Garrison Beach because mm-hmm. an African-American woman bought a small home there. She moved into that home. People came in that night and wrote swastikas on the wall wow. and destroyed the property saying she didn't have a right to be there. Mm-hmm. I am never going to be part of a group that says another group can't live in our communities. These right. are one community, one Brooklyn. People should not be displaced. Mm -hmm. Cultures must merge together. What was predominantly an Asian culture in one part of the borough is going to come a Mexican and Asian culture. Right, All over this borough, the borough's going to shift. At one time, Brownsville was all Jewish. They used to have a book that was written called Tough Jews. Mm-hmm. Beth stuyvesant was a, a farming area where all whites lived until blacks came there. Mm-hmm. Washington Avenue from Atlantic Avenue to Eastern Parkway was all Greek until blacks and Caribbeans came. We came, moved there, and we, quote-unquote, displaced the Greeks. Wow. The borough is going to evolve. Let's evolve with it. Let's tell our new arrivals, have good table manners, know how to say good morning, hello. Learn how to be part of the community and not try to disrupt the community.
0: Absolutely. And then for the people who are concerned about affordable housing, like that's still something that we're working on though, right?
1: Without a doubt. Um, doubt. There's components to it. Um, Component one is to preserve, to protect those tenants who are in affordable units, Mm -hmm. not allow them to be displaced, forcefully out harassed. Our district attorneys need to start prosecuting landlords that are Mm -hmm. using unethical and illegal ways to displace people. Mm -hmm. Second, utilize our stock that we have. We have a great number of churches in our Mm -hmm. community that they have land, parking lots, air rights where you can build up. They can do senior housing. They can be creative in their housing, mm-hmm. and we're doing that. We're putting our capital dollars to assist them to build more houses on their land. Uh, third, using government uh, sites, city-owned mm-hmm. land, city-owned resources, NYCHA developments, where we can do infield building, where many right. of our seniors in NYCHA, mm-hmm. they can actually want to downsize. Their children left. They have three bedroom apartments. How about building on those those sites and allowing them to live right in the communities that they know that they can age in place so we have to be creative one Mm -hmm. big obstacle many people got this belief not on my block Mm -hmm. I have enough people in my community I have my house I have my car I have my park And we
0: need to be a little bit more compassionate in our thinking and also in our long-term planning. That's totally understandable. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you talked about earlier was the immense amount of diversity that we have here in Brooklyn, which is something that everybody I know who lives in Brooklyn is very, very proud of. Mm -hmm. But we still have, not just in Brooklyn but in New York, period, the most segregated schools in the country some of the most segregated schools in the country. How do we help with that? Like, is there any policy? Is there something that we could be implementing or working on right now? Is there something you're working on to help see that change in our schooling system?
1: Uh, diversity rules for me. Um, mm-hmm. And if ever you want to see uh, a reasonably sensible person turn irrational, deal with a parent and their children. Yeah. That is the, you get some of the most irrational um, responses than you'll ever imagine. From the first time I came in office, I talked about this and stated that we cannot have a segregated school system because if we have a segregated school system, we're going to have a segregated young adult that's going to turn into a segregated adult. And part of the learning experience is not only learning one and one equals two, is learning that one and one culture equals two good cultures and two good ideas. Too many parents believe that an inferior education is diverse education. If they see mm. someone of a different ethnicity in their classroom, they believe that their child is going to get an inferior education. That is not the reality. They're getting a superior education, particularly the type of education you need for the future. Right. If you don't feel comfortable in various ethnic environment and different diverse environments, your child is not going to be prepared for the future because the future is diversity diversity mm-hmm. reign, And that's what we're pushing for. That's the theme of One Brooklyn, that we must all know that we're all in this together. I don't want a garden with one flower. Mm-hmm. I don't want a community that's one ethnicity. It's the cross-pollination of ideas and culture that's going to make us great.
0: Absolutely. And just to shift gears a little bit, one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, shift as much as you want. I love to shift, you know, so we're going to keep just, doing that.
1: Just don't mess up, scrape the gears. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: one 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 of the things that I wanted to talk about is that um, your successor for state senate, uh, Jesse Hamilton is a member of the IDC. And we had someone come on and talk about the IDC and what the IDC does and how they felt like, in general, the IDC sort of halts progressive policy and progressive action in New York. Can you just give us some insight into that?
1: Well, um, I don't agree with that. Um, I believe that um, throughout time there have been breakaways from the body of any particular body. The IDC is the Independent Democratic Conference. There were statements that were made that. Uh, the IDC voted for the Republican to lead the Senate. That was not true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jesse's a Democrat, mm-hmm. um, always has been a Democrat, uh, and, I, and I think he's a great leader. The stuff he's doing there in his district, 20 Senatorial District, he's doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things he's doing, Brownhood, Brownville's mm-hmm. Village of putting resources back into Brownsville, Mm -hmm. Um, some of the legislation that he's introducing, the chair of the banking committee. You know, I would like to to see the Democratic conference be one conference to come together, to iron out their difficulties, whatever they may be, and come under one roof. But, you know, Albany is a complicated place. And anyone who's viewing the interactions between the IDC and the Democratic Conference mm-hmm. as something that's merely why don't they don't just get in the room just mm-hmm. really don't understand the complexities of Albany. My conversations with both the leaders is about let's come together, mm-hmm. let's figure out what the problems are because we need to be unified with a person like Trump in the White House. Oh yes, the unification would assist us. The resources we need. But the the blame lays at the feet of the governor. Mm -hmm. The governor, you cannot be the leader of the state when you want to. It's not a selective Mm -hmm. leadership. Either you're the leader of the Democratic Party in the state and take the blame when things are bad, and take the credit when things are good. You can't cut the ribbon um, mm-hmm. on a new Second Avenue subway, but then when the trains break down, all of a sudden you're not in charge. Wow. You can't say that you're the king of building infrastructures, but when our bridges erode, you just state that it's not you who are responsible for it. One mm-hmm. or the other. Either you're the lead of the state or you're not the lead of the state the leader of the Democratic Party in the state of New York, Mm -hmm. find a way to bring the people back together, identify the problems, come up with a solution, and unify the party and lead the state.
0: Why do we need to get them together? Why is that important?
1: It is important. It's very important because when you look at throughout the years, uh, for 70 plus years, the Senate Republicans were in control of the Uh, Senate. Mm -hmm. Anytime you get resources to come to the various senatorial district and assembly districts, it is based on who's in power to determine that. Mm -hmm. During my time in Albany, uh, we were not allowed to get any of the um, capital dollars. These are billions of dollars that we were never given to bring into our districts. The Republicans were hoarding all of the capital, bringing it to their districts. That becomes problematic when you only have uh, two Republican senators mm-hmm. in the entire New York City area. So the overwhelming number of the districts in our area were not receiving any capital dollars. And when it comes down to laws being passed, when it comes down to allocation of school funding, uh, we had a, a fight for campaign for fiscal equity where we, the court ruled that we were being unfairly receiving an unfair amount of our resources. But the Republicans still control that, and we never got our fair control of school resources. So when you look at the laws, the distribution of resources, the distribution of um, information and finance, it all comes who controls uh, that Senate. Senate is the upper house, and it is an important place for the parties to come together and unify around one uh, leadership. Thank you.
0: What's the most important initiative for your office right now? I know that you guys have recently put some things out about domestic violence um, and domestic abuse. I know that we've seen some things around health and specifically around diabetes, um, which I know is personal for you. Can you talk to me a little bit about like what's like the main things that you guys are really digging in on?
1: My my staff will tell you in a minute is health. You know, every goes nowhere without talking about health. Um, Health is the number one thing. That is impacting um, our entire country, um, not only Brooklyn, but our entire country. And I'm a firm believer that Brooklyn, being the largest borough in the city of New York, mm-hmm. um, the way goes Brooklyn goes New York, the way goes New York goes the country, and the way goes the country goes the globe. So if we get it right here in Brooklyn, the entire country and globe is going to get it right. But we're losing the battle on health across the board. Um, we're great. On uh, a injury, you know, we can repair a leg. We can uh, deal with an emergency or crisis. A person is a victim of trauma. We're great in doing that in this country, but we are a total failure on chronic disease. You know, our uh, lifespan is 88.7 years. Um, we live, everybody brag about how long we live, but life is not having grandma live to be 90 but can't identify her grandchild because Alzheimer's or dementia has settled in. Right. Or you hooked up and go into dialysis three days a week, three hours a day. Right. Or you're losing your sight. All of these diseases that we are impacted by they're preventable with a change of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so what we are attempting to do at Borough Hall is really push the envelope with our healthcare uh, facilities. We can't continue to treat symptoms. Mm -hmm. That is our medicine. Our medicine is a symptom-treated medicine. You got a hole in your pipe, the plumber comes over, he gives you a mop to mop up the water every time it leaks instead of fixing the the pipe. We can't do that anymore. Giving someone a drug that covers up your symptoms when the underlying problems still remain, is a failing system. Absolutely. Our goal is to look at my life um, as a person who was diagnosed with diabetes, put it in remission <laughs> because I didn't go after the advice of my healthcare professionals who said, we want to give you medicine to treat the symptoms. I said, mm-hmm. no, I wanted to reverse the conditions." And there are doctors out there that are doing that, that are moving away from a healthcare system That only benefits uh, the pharmaceutical industry, the billion and trillion dollar pharmaceutical industry that keeps your mother and my mother hooked on drugs for the rest of their life. They're modern day um, drug dealers. You know, we're talking about the guys standing on corners selling crack. Well, the crack is sold in our hospitals every day that our parents are given drugs that are not reversing their conditions. And so in Borough Hall, we're pushing to show people how do you reverse conditions and how do you have a health care profession and professional who went to school to do that? This is what mm-hmm. doctors want to do. They're not taught that. Only 25% of the medical schools in our nation
0: teach preventative
1: care, teach preventative, preventative care. one course
0: mm-hmm. on
1: preventative care, one course. That's unimaginable. And
0: everything else is corrective. Right. Well, President Adams, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to having you back
1: again. Yes, feel free.
0: Next, with our Be Heard Town Hall on mental health coming up on Wednesday, we thought we'd chat with someone who I guess you could call an expert on mental health challenges. He's dealt with them his entire life. One out of every five adult New Yorkers is dealing with mental health disorders, while one in 20 suffers from a serious mental illness. Yet within a given year, 40% of them receive zero treatment. Much of this problem is due to the still powerful stigma tied to mental illness. Here at Brick House on Wednesday the 13th, we're hosting and broadcasting a Be Heard town hall meeting on mental health as a civil right but before people can fight for equal treatment and more enlightened policies they have to feel free from prejudice when it comes to mental health here to discuss this is mike vini from transforming stigma welcome to 112bk thank you for having me talk to me a little bit about your story tell me about your background
2: well i'm 38 years old and i've Mm -hmm. been struggling with mental health challenges for my entire life Mm -hmm. and mental health challenges when i talk about them are about three things thoughts Feelings and behavior you can't really uh, see someone's thoughts. You can't feel their feelings, but you can observe their behavior And for me it started out as behavior issues as a kid. This led to me getting expelled from three schools um, Hospitalized in a mental hospital three times Mm -hmm. I attempted to die by suicide at age 10 I regularly self-harmed and I was violent at home Mm -hmm. and my parents who loved me dearly and tried their best to give me all the help they could and spent a lot of money on therapists just wanted the best for me. And it was Mm -hmm. a real struggle because one thing I always say is mental health issues are confusing and frustrating. That's that's one of the reasons, in my opinion, behind the stigma. You know, if you hurt your wrist, Mm -hmm. you know that it's either a sprain, a strain, or a broken wrist. It's Mm -hmm. pretty simple. But mental health issues are very, very confusing. No one wakes up and goes, you know, I'm depressed today. I should talk to someone. Mm -hmm. It usually manifests from behavior, and someone maybe even points it out to us that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to remember that both for the person struggling, and if you love someone who's struggling, it's confusing and frustrating on both sides.
0: How did you end up doing this work?
2: I was forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and, and, and I've been trying to get out ever since, but they mm. won't let me. Yeah, um, not gonna let you go. 2011, I had a breakdown in New York City, and I was just really struggling. Um, my anxiety was really high. I was depressed, angry. I was cursing at people on the streets. I was self-harming. And I did what I was, thought was right. I called somebody to get help. They say you should call somebody. And I was very frustrated with this conversation. She was a woman I knew who worked in mental health. Mm-hmm. And instead of directing me to help, she said, well, can I, can I hire you to be my speaker for a mental health event? And I said, no, you don't understand. I, 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 I want to die you know i'm this is, I, don't, I don't want to be a mental health speaker and mm-hmm. she kept pushing it And little did I know, looking back, that she was really trying to get me to use my story to help others, Mm. because she knew that it would help me. And that's one of the reasons it's good for people to talk about it, because a lot of times that thing that you're hiding
0: just might help someone else. Let's talk about the hiding. Because I, and you know, before the cameras even started taping, we had a little conversation. I told you uh, that I've struggled with anxiety and depression over the course of my life. Um, Sometimes having it being recognized as such, and sometimes not. Uh, Mm. But one of the things that really kept me from talking about it at the time was a very insistent stigma the idea that the minute I said it I couldn't get away from it and it would be a label that followed me around What are some of the stereotypes that people still have? About those of us who deal with mental health issues or disorders. Well,
2: one is weakness—that mm-hmm. someone who who lives with a mental health challenge is is weak. The other one that's really horrible is is violence, mm-hmm. and this is also uh, uh, perpetrated by the media and oh, yeah. and gun violence. Mm-hmm. You know, we are uh, in a day and age of regular mass shootings. I hate that. I hate mm-hmm. that it's just a regular thing now. But just yeah. to be real and. Go back to what I said before. Mental health issues are confusing and frustrating. And we as humans don't like to be confused or frustrated. So when something happens, like a gun violence incident,
0: we want a reason.
2: We want a reason. We want a reason uh, Mm -hmm. for it. And so people have to go to something like mental health. That leads to the stereotypes of people who live with mental illness are violent and that's one of the big problems in this world. The other thing I want to bring up really quickly with that is we are tribal people by nature.
0: Yes we are. And
2: what does that mean? You and I are in kindergarten we both discover that we like Spider-Man because we like Spider-Man right? Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> we, <laughs> we both do. And and, and we would bond and, and and have a friendship. But just let's right. say you know someone else was in the group but they like the Hulk instead, we would consider them the weird one. This is how kids socialize. Mm-hmm. We bring that with us throughout our lives and nobody wants to be the weird one.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've heard you, um, or at least have heard that you've said at some point that you actually think in some ways your mental health issues have helped you and they've helped you find um, out more about yourself and maybe see the world differently in a way that other people can't. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Absolutely, I struggle with them every day. I live with depression. Anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this actually leads to physical pain mm-hmm. for me and makes it just really difficult to get my work done, to, to deal with people in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. But what I have found is that when I approached it from discovery, when I go to therapy and rather than looking to get the pain away or stop feeling depression, let me discover something about myself, mm-hmm. I actually learned some really cool things about myself. Yeah. It's taught me about things that I didn't know about myself that I like, mm-hmm. that I don't like that are part of my genius. And mm-hmm. one thing I remind people is when they go to therapy, a lot of times people go to therapy to take away symptoms. Yeah. You can't approach it like that. It's a process of digging and digging and digging. And guess what? When you get to a good place, you keep digging and keep digging. And that's important for all of us.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me a little bit about mental health in Brooklyn? There are a lot of people who I know are dealing with a lot going on right now. Some of it's situational, some of it's chronic. Um, What can they do? Where can they find help? If I'm a person who lives in Flatbush and I'm like, you know what, something's not right. And I know something's not right, but I don't know who to talk to about it or I don't know how to find a therapist, I don't know any of those things, what, what what do we do?
2: Well, first of all, for all of New York City, I think we're doing really good on mental health in yeah. lots of ways. One of the reasons is because of our first lady, Shirlane McRae, making right. it such a, a public issue, and she's now even doing it on the national level, which is Isn't just, she? yeah, it's, it, it's wonderful, just trying to get more funding. Mm-hmm. If you go to the New York City Department of Health website, there are a variety of resources. One of the things I found recently, there is a 24-hour Uh, Hotline you can call and Mm -hmm. speak with a counselor if you're in crisis. You can just talk to someone It's not about even getting a referral. They can just talk you through whatever's going on That's a luxury that we have in this city So if you are in Brooklyn and you're struggling get onto that website Call somebody the other is the organization the National Alliance for Mental Illness Mm -hmm. NAMI. They have a lot of different chapters I know they have a, a Brooklyn Queens one look into them and see what kind of resources they have in terms of support groups. It's okay to talk about it. It's yeah. okay to just bring it up. And and all you need to say is I'm struggling and I don't understand what it is. Right. And I want to explore. Mm-hmm.
0: If you could look at the people right now If there was like on the other end of the camera, or like just behind me, there were people who really needed to hear something, people who were struggling, who have these mental health issues, mental health disorders, everything, and they they don't know where to turn, they need a little bit of encouragement, what would you say? I'd say
2: don't let the issues define you. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, because these issues are inside of us and we are Mm -hmm. stuck with ourselves 24-7 we start to identify with them. And this is not even about labels, it's just that we're living with the issue 24 seven. So number one is don't identify with it. You are you and you're living with an issue, Mm -hmm. just like allergies.
0: Just like allergies.
2: Just like allergies. You know, I say this all the time, Uh, you and I can talk about allergies openly. You might Mm be on Zyrtec and I might be on Allegra. We'll just talk about it. (laughs) But we need to talk about schizophrenia the same way. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about depression the same way. So the key is just talking about it. You don't need to disclose everything that's the Mm -hmm. other thing a lot of times people think if they disclose they need to tell their whole life story no you could just say I'm struggling with some emotional pain and leave it at that
0: absolutely well thank you so much for coming here and for talking to us about this it's such an important conversation and honestly I'm glad we got to have it with you
2: awesome thank you for having me
0: thank you Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you all have a great holiday, whatever holiday it is. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, Festivus for the rest of us. Lots of things happen. We'll be back on January 8th. And in the meantime, please tune in to the Be Her Town Hall this Wednesday at 7. Have a great break, everybody. 112BK is hosted by me, Ashley Ford, and is produced by Ross Tuttle, Fred Brown, Shireen Bargie, Emily Bogosian, and Kritzi Roberts. Our show is edited by Clinton Filson Jr. and Kyrell Palmer and is recorded by our studio technical director, Eric Hallison. Our executive producers are Aziz Isham, Jonathan Leith, and Sasha Mathias. If you want to get in touch, you can leave us a comment, tweet us using the hashtag 112BK, email us at 112BKpodcast at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-504-0801. And make sure you subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or whichever podcatcher you use. 112BK is part of the Brick Radio family. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio.